For the past month, I've been on a very short series that I will conclude today. We started with the thoughts of when Jesus steps in, and these are post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We know that the first week on Resurrection Day, Jesus stepped into a room where the disciples, the powerful men of God, had locked the door and were hiding in fear, and Jesus walks through a wall into the middle of the room where they were standing in their fear, and he speaks to them peace. Don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I serve a God who in the middle of my fear steps into those and says, peace be with you. That's the kind of God that we serve, and if you are living in fear, then we address that when God steps into your fear. The second week, we begin to look at the second appearance of the resurrected Christ when one of the disciples who was not a part of that room by the name of Thomas had made the declaration of, I will not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead unless I can stick my fingers in the wounds of his hand and put my hand into his side. And Jesus stepped into Thomas's doubts. He had begun to deconstruct his faith because he didn't believe that the the Jesus that he had seen crucified would ever be able to recover from that and be resurrected. Today we know that people are deconstructing their faith because of hurts, because of disappointments of unanswered prayer, a desire to justify their favorite sin, or assigning to Jesus all of the bad behavior of those who say that they are children of God. And so there are people today who don't want to hear what Jesus has to say Because they look at us and say, if this is what Jesus is like, if this is what the nature of God looks like in the way that you live and the way that you speak, then I don't want anything to do with him. But we talked about Jesus stepping into your doubts and stepping into the doubts of our contemporary world in which we live and how he can bring us to faith. Today I want to conclude with the subject of the third resurrection appearance of Jesus when he speaks to Peter, and he steps into Peter's failure. When Jesus steps into failure, and today he's going to step into your failure and to mine. When I was a kid, we used to get Sunday newspapers. I don't know if they even still make those because everything's online today, but there was a cartoon character by the name of Dennis the Menace. Any of you ever heard of that, ever remember it? There's, there's obviously a demographic here. <clears throat> Some of, us, some of us remember that. Dennis the Menace was a menace, especially to Mr. Wilson, his next-door neighbor. Everywhere that kid went, he got into trouble. I resemble that kid more than you can ever know. And yet there was this one particular cartoon where at the end of the day, Dennis the Menace is kneeling beside his bed. He's wearing his pajamas, and over his pajamas he's got a cowboy hat, He's got a holster with a gun in it, and he's sitting there with his boots on, dressed as a a Western guy, and he kneels down next to his bed. He has his hands folded, and he's looking up into heaven, and the caption simply says this, God, I'm here to turn myself in. (laughs) I'm sure that we have all had that feeling at one time or another where we simply come in prayer and say, God, I'm just here to turn myself in. You see, failure shows up in in many different forms and many different ways within our life. Some of us today, whether we are in this room or you're watching online, you have really messed up some relationships. 
To be honest, as you look at your life, you're saying, I'm living in the consequences of some of the decisions that I have made relationally, and I feel as if I'm a failure. Some of us have really messed up job opportunities. We blamed others for things not working out, but we really know that deep down inside it was our fault. We, we made some bad decisions. We were the one that was lazy. We were the one that was undependable or we were the ones with a bad attitude or an insubordinate attitude because we felt that the job may have been beneath us, so we did not honor God and give it our best effort. Some of us are sitting here today and we feel like we've really messed up parenting. We've made bad mistakes. We set bad examples that didn't prioritize our children's spiritual growth as much as other things within their life, and today you're suffering some of the consequences of those decisions. Some of you today are really just drifting spiritually. Your hearts at one time were way more committed to the Lord than they are today, and you are living in that lukewarmness. The temptation to give up your relationship with God is strong every morning because you prioritized other things over your relationship with the Lord, and you're feeling today as if, man, I'm a failure in my relationship with God. Some of you today are dealing with moral failures. Some of you have made some really, really poor decisions that have absolutely devastated your families. Some of you are living with the decision that you thought that you could play around with pornography and that it wouldn't affect you, that it won't hurt anybody, but today you have become addicted and you just can't seem to break that addiction. Some of us are addicted to drug and alcohol, and we never thought that we would find our lives spiraling out of control that the way they are now, because it's easy for us to see failure in every area of our lives. And this is something that every one of us has experienced at one point or another when we are utterly frustrated at ourselves, and we simply come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just here to turn myself in. I'm just here today because I can't do this on my own. And I pray today that there would be a moment for us where we would turn ourselves in, that wherever the failure is present, that we will not live in denial that it exists, but that we will address that spiritually with a Savior who says that He will change us and turn us around. And here is where we find Peter today. In the third appearance of the resurrection of the Lord in John chapter 20 and 21, in fact, as you look at Peter, leading up to this particular time, there was this moment of time when Peter is sitting at what we call the Last Supper. Jesus is there with him. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter, and he calls him Simon, and he says in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. In other words, Jesus is telling Peter, there is a demonic power that is at work that is trying to destroy you. He wants to destroy you now. He wants to destroy your future. And Satan has an agenda for you. But Jesus said, that's not my agenda. And so he goes on to say in verse 32, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. In other words, Simon, you're going to fail me really badly. You're going to do something that's going to surprise even you. But what I pray is that the failure that you are about to experience will not be the last statement on your life. 
I have prayed that somehow you're going to come out of the other side of this failure with a faith that will be beneficial not only to you but to others. In fact, when you come through this, he says, and when you turn back, I love the prophetic nature of that, when you have made it through this trial, strengthen your brothers. When you've come through this failure and I put you back together, make a difference. God has an outline and a plan for each of us that are coming through failure. Sure enough, a few hours later, Jesus has been arrested. He's taken first to the house of the high priest, and apparently there is an inner court and an outer court, and Jesus is being interrogated and mistreated in the inner court, and out in the outer court there is a fire, and Peter is standing around the fire. Peter had been a friend of Jesus, had traveled with him, had loved the notoriety that Jesus had, and so people, people began to recognize Peter. And Peter instantly began to deny knowing Jesus. Talk about failing spiritually. Peter completely disowns Jesus. In fact, at one point, he is so fervent in the way that he does it, the Scripture tells us that Peter curses, uses language that he would not use, uses language that one that's a follower of Christ would not use, just so that he can distinguish himself from Jesus. He curses, and he said, I have never met that man before. And in that moment, he turns and looks, and the gazes of Jesus and Peter in failure connect. And it tells us in Luke 22, 61 and 62, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Have any of you ever had anybody look at you and they looked right through you? It wasn't just a gaze to see you. It was a gaze of, I know you. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him, but before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And folks, when our failure finally catches up with us, when everything collapses on us and we find ourselves at our lowest, we respond like Peter did, and it said he went outside and he cried his eyes out. He wept bitterly. This is Peter's lowest point. He has disowned Jesus. Jesus looks right at him. He remembered what Jesus had predicted, and now he has failed in spite of those warnings. And this failure, Peter knows there's nobody to blame and there's no getting around it, and he's crushed by the failure. Jesus, as we know, he dies on the cross. He rises from the dead three days later. And according to John, he's already had two resurrection appearances. But the third appearance that we're going to focus on today is for Peter's sake. Originally, Peter was a fisherman. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a fisherman, and I have had nights like Peter when we went out fishing all night, and we caught nothing. But Peter goes out fishing because it's the most comfortable place for him to go. And in John chapter 21, verses 3 and 6, Peter, in this conversation, says to those around him, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we're going to go with you. So they got out and went into the boat, and something happens in this instance that is going to be a flashback for Peter. It said, but that night they caught nothing. And so as they're coming back to land, you talk about a failure. Even the things that I'm supposed to be good at, I can't do anymore. And so it's failure upon failure as they're rowing back to shore and they see a man standing on the shore. And he begins to, to look at them in this appearance and he yells out to them, did you catch anything? How many of you know Jesus likes to ask you questions he already knows the answers to? If you've not had that happen yet, just wait. It, it's going to happen. 
Because I think that Jesus likes us to come to the place where we no longer deny what's really going on. And so he yells at them, how have you guys done? And they said, we have caught nothing, as if he didn't know the answer. And about now, Peter begins to have this deja vu moment taking place. He's going, I've been here before. And Jesus says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And what begins to happen within this resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus begins to undo the failures that have taken place in Peter's life. And I believe that there's a pattern that is used here that I briefly want to explain because I believe that what he did in Peter's life, he wants to do in ours and will take us through this same pattern. If you're here today or you're watching online and you have a failed relationship or you failed morally or spiritually, here is where the restoration begins. Number one, let Jesus take you back to where you first encountered him. Let Jesus take you back. This encounter takes Peter back two years to when Jesus had interrupted his life before as a fisherman. In fact, in Luke chapter 5, it tells us that the first time, it said, when Jesus had finished speaking, he spoke to Simon and says, put down your nets into the deep water for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And of course, Peter is a fisherman, so Jesus is speaking his language. And after this, Peter falls on his knees and said, I am not worthy to even be around you. And then Jesus calls Peter to follow him. Now, two years later, following the failure of Peter, Jesus repeats this miracle again and brings Peter right back to the circumstances when he first met Jesus, and he connects with him there. I believe that in our lives that there are going to be aspects of our failure that Jesus is going to bring us back to that place where we have that first love experience again. How many of you recall what it was like when you first got saved? You could not wait to get up and go tell people because of the joy of the forgiveness that God has given you, the joy of the, of the feeling of knowing that I am clean for the first time in my life. I can't wait to share with everybody. Jesus wants to take you from your failure back to that place again and renew that. You see, God's purpose and calling is still in place in Peter's life. And regardless of what you may have done, God's purpose and calling is still in place in your life as well. No matter how you have failed him, when he has called you and he has equipped you, your value is not determined by your failure. Some of you need to repeat that to yourself today. Your value is not determined by your failure. It is like Jesus coming back to Peter and saying, listen, I know you failed me. Nobody knows it better than I do. But I have prayed for you that your faith would survive your failure. And I'm going to bring you back to where I first called you and where I first encountered you. And I'm going to say it again to you. Peter, you have a purpose and you have a destiny. And I pray that your failure will not ruin that within your life. Oh, how great is our God that he redeems us. The second step that he takes him through is let Jesus guide you through the steps that undo failure. 
So Jesus is on the shore. And they bring all these fish that they just got to him, and it turns out that he'd already built a fire, and he was already making breakfast for them, and they all sit down at, to eat what Jesus had prepared for them. And that must have been one of those really uncomfortable moments for Peter. He knows what he's done. He's standing in the presence of the personification of righteousness and holiness. He feels inadequate. He feels guilty. He feels weak. He'd gone from overconfident before all this happened to now he's convinced that he has no power and no ability to do this on his own. He had not yet been endued with power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's feeling a little squeamish at this breakfast. And in John 21, verses 15 through 7, it says, When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, now I want you to stop here in the Scripture because I want you to see something that's happening here. This had to get Peter's attention because this is the name that he had before he had had a relationship with the Lord. And so Jesus is calling him by a name that reminded him of where he had come from. He said, you used to be Simon, now you're Peter, but Peter is using the Lord's old name for him. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you're going to act like your old self, I'm going to call you by your old name. And he's arrested in this. Some of you may know what it feels like to have your mom or dad call you and use your whole name. If your middle name gets used in that conversation, you're not getting a birthday present. <laughs> this is what Peter had to feel like to that. And Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? What an embarrassing question. He had just denied Jesus three times in the past two or three weeks. And Jesus says, do you love me more than these disciples that are sitting around me that did not deny me? You see, it's painful when the Lord starts undoing failure in our lives. It's painful when he starts undoing it and providing for us new steps. It's, oft, it's also painful when we stand before him recognizing we have no place to run and we can't deny it. And Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. That would be my church. In other words, I will restore a call to your life. And in that moment after the first question, Peter probably thought to himself, glad that's over with. That was just a bit awkward, but I'm glad that we've rushed right through that part and I'm ready to move on now. But Jesus didn't stop there. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? And Jesus addresses him for every time that he had denied him to begin to undo that failure. Jesus is going to reclaim Peter through failure in a three-step process. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I love these words. Peter was hurt. Peter got his feelings hurt at the way Jesus was bringing him back through a process of pulling away the failure, giving him just a sense of how much he had hurt the Lord in the way that he had denied him. And it said, because Jesus had asked him, asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Sometimes Jesus takes us through the steps of undoing our failure. 
and rebuilding our faith. And when he does that, it is painful to us because we are forced to have to face up to our failures in fresh ways. But Jesus is doing this not to destroy him, but to say to Peter, you still have value to me. We can be again like it was when we first met. You can once again have ministry and be used of the Lord like when I first called you. I'm going to reclaim you through the same process that Satan tried to claim you away from me. But it's going to take courage to rebuild your life. I need you to not only hear me, I need you to obey me and step out in courage. And then Jesus walks through the steps to undo failure. I want you to know that restoration will always involve repentance and sometimes restitution. We live in a world today where it gets really easy for us as pastors to proclaim a gospel and then just ask really quickly, how many of you want to receive His grace and, and have people respond with, a, with yes, I see you and, and a hand raised, but do nothing to follow up with that. I want you to know something. Real repentance comes when you stand before the Lord and say, I own who I am, I own what I've done, and I'm asking that you would transform me from failure to health in you. Lord Jesus, I'm making promises to you that I will not only let you be my Savior, but that I will make you Lord within my life. Because there are things that need to be rebuilt after failure in our lives and in our character. The first thing we need to do is make things right with God, and that's what repentance is all about, is saying, I am sorry for what I have done. I thought I could do a better job of being God than you could. I thought I could do a better job of leading my own life and making me happy better than you. But, Lord, I have failed miserably, and repentance is painful honesty. Sometimes it involves confessing your sins to other people. Sometimes it involves confessing people to whom you have hurt in order that there could be healing. But when we can repent and confess to God, we are forgiven. But the process might very well require some restitution on your part as well. Sometimes you have to ask forgiveness of people and let them look you in the eye to see that God has really done something. It may not be easy, but Jesus has your freedom in mind. I remember an evening a little over 15 years ago when my grandfather, who was in his 90s, was sitting at a kitchen table, and it was my dad and my mom's dad, the grandfather, and myself were sitting there. The kids had all gone to bed. And he had been a Christian most of his life, and he began to just talk to me. I knew that when I was a six-year-old that my family had fallen apart as a result of a divorce that had taken place in his life, and he just began to talk to me, and he said, Doug, I just have to tell you these things. He said, I had had a relationship with the Lord. I had had a leadership position in a church, but I let my guard down morally in the office. There was a lady that I worked with that I began to look at in ways that I should never have looked at her. He says, and after indulging in things that I should not be doing, I ended up choosing her over your grandmother, and I brought great pain to our family and great regret to my relationship with God. Now, I was just a child when all of that happened. And when he was done with that, I looked at him and said, why did you tell me that? And he says, I need you to know who I really am and what God can really do. He says, I know that you look up to me, but I want you to know that God had to undo failure in my life to bring me to this place. And God restored 
I don't know what your story is or what you've been through, but I need you to know that God can change your past. God can change you and free you from the past. There's an interesting dialogue here, and I just briefly bring it up because theologians differ on how important it is. But in this conversation between Jesus and Peter, Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these? Now, there are two words that are primarily used in the Greek for love. One of them is a higher love, that is agape love. The other one is a love that the, the city of Philadelphia is named after, the city of brotherly love. It's a phileo. And, and Jesus in his conversation with Peter is saying to him, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? And Peter's response is, Lord, you know that I like you with the lesser one. And Jesus again asks the question, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter's going, you know that I like you. And then the last question, Jesus comes down to Peter's level and he meets him where he's at and basically saying, Peter, do you like me? And Peter, hurt and beginning to weep, says, you know, you know, Lord, that I love you and I like you. The important part of that is that I love the fact that our Savior meets us where we are capable of being. That whatever capability you have in your response to the Lord today, He will meet you at that place and begin to restore you there. He didn't make Peter get all the way to, I'm righteous again and I can love you this deeply. He came down and said, I'll meet you right here. And Jesus wants to take you back to where you started. And He wants to undo your failure. And lastly, Jesus wants to call you to a restart. John chapter 21, verse 19, at the very end of it, Jesus says this to Peter. Then he said to him, follow me. Can I just tell you that one of the chief schemes of Satan is that Satan has a pattern that he works by too. We've just talked about the pattern of, of restoration and undoing failure, but Satan has a pattern to lead you into failure, and it starts with this. And I'm talking, I'm talking to believers here. He begins to whisper things into your ear as it relates to temptation, and then he gives you permission to fall into temptation by saying this, Jesus is graceful. You know that he will forgive you of that. You know that his grace can reach you, so it's going to be okay. Go ahead and do that knowing you can always come back to Jesus for forgiveness. And so with that internal permission to be our own God, we often fall into those temptations. But his next pattern is this. Once we begin to experience the guilt of that decision, Satan then follows that up with this. You're not who you said you were. God doesn't love you anymore. You are such a disappointment to him. In fact, you can never go back because God knows that you have turned your back on his grace. Your failure is so great that you are a sinner and you have blown it so badly that the Lord will never take you back. And in the process of leading you into failure and leading you into sin, he begins to just draw you in. You see, Satan wants to lead you to compromise and from compromise to sin and then to tell you there's no, we, no way back, that there's no restitution. And if there is, you will be a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God forever, forever branded and marked with your failure. But... Jesus overcomes that in this passage of Scripture, and let me show you how. He does this by a public restoration 
I want you to notice that at this fire, we've oftentimes pictured as if it was just Jesus and Peter alone. No, no, no. There are other disciples that are sitting around this fire with him. This conversation is being heard and it's being observed by the other men that are there. And it was important for them too because not only did they need to see Peter's failure unwrapped by Jesus in a process, but it also gave them the ability to see that if Jesus can undo the failure of Peter, then we can have relationship with him again as brothers in Christ. So Jesus publicly gave Peter a new start so that he could be rebuilt in trust with his brothers as well. Listen, there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in us. And his grace is able to save. His grace is able to restore. His grace can undo failure. His grace can give you a restart. And his grace can recall you into the purposes that God has for you. I want you to know that all it takes for you is re-engaging in obedience. Because Jesus looked at him and said, follow me, Peter. Here's your new chance. I want you to know how encouraging that is for us today. Because fresh obedience will always re-engage God's purposes in your life. Worship team, would you please come? Today, maybe you need a restart. As many of you know, my, my wife was born in Okinawa and has Japanese descent. There is an art form in Japan called kintsugi. It's golden repair as it would be translated for us. They have these fine tea sets and china that are passed down from generation to generation. And they grow more valuable because of the heritage that they carry with them. From time to time, some of these dishes and bowls and vases are dropped and they are shattered, just shattered. But one of the interesting things about this artwork is that rather than throwing them away and saying that they no longer have value, within Kintsugi, they take the pieces and they use gold to mold them back together. And so what these pieces look like, and I've, I want to show you two or three of them, is this is a vase that was shattered and then Kintsugi, the gold, was helped to reform it. And what happens is these shattered pieces then take on a brand new art form. And so you see here where this was shattered, this bowl that was all white once now has a brand new design to it. In fact, they almost become more beautiful in the uniqueness of the design of their restoration than they were originally in all of this. And here's the message for us today. Stand with me, please, if you would. You may feel today as if you are shattered. You may feel as if you have been dropped and stepped on and that you are worthless. I want you to know the Savior God can pick up the pieces and with gold leaf can begin to put you back together and He can step into your failure and He can undo that and leave you looking more beautiful and more useful than you were before it ever started. Now, I'm not saying that every one of us then should run into failure to be made again. I'm just saying that failure does not have to have the last word in your life. And in this appearance, Jesus steps in and he addresses Peter at a very uncomfortable level. And Peter responds to that. And at the end, Peter is not only a follower of Jesus Christ again, but after being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
preaches and steps into his calling and 3,000 people are saved. Can you imagine what that moment was like for him to recognize failure will no longer be my identity. I've been remade. I've been renewed. God has recreated me. Now before we sing today, I believe that God is dealing with some of you because you came here today and you have wondered in your life what can God do with me? Satan has led me down this pathway and I feel as if God can't even love me anymore. And I am here to tell you today that the word of the Lord says Jesus will undo your failures if you will be obedient. He'll take you back to where you first encountered him. He'll guide you through the steps that undo failure and he will give you the opportunity to re-engage in obedience when he says to you today, are you ready now to follow me? I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads. Normally, I just ask if you would look up at me, but today, I want you to take a step of boldness and say, you know, that word was for me today. If God is speaking to you and wants to rebuild your life and you've been living in the guilt of failure and you feel as if that has been your identifier, I want you today to raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm ready for you to take me through the steps. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Are there others? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Are there others today looking into the overflow? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Say, I need to be rebuilt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to ask our altar workers if you'd please make your way to the altars this morning. Be prepared, if you would, please, to pray with people. Our elders, if you'd please come. Because today is a day of restoration. It's a day where we say, I no longer am going to live in that aspect of failure, but I'm going to let Jesus bring me through the steps. And now I'm going to ask, maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus once. You are living a life that you know you're being convicted. It's the convincing power of the Spirit. The Spirit is, is speaking to you and you feel your chest, is the, your heart's beating faster because the Spirit is saying, I want to do something in your life today. Will you give me the permission to make you a brand new creature? If you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your Savior for the first time, but you would like to, would you raise your hand? I'm starting looking in the overflow. Is, is, is Jesus knocking at the door of your heart today? Moving now into the main sanctuary, I'm looking for hands. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Are there others? Today's my day. I refuse to be bound in sin, and I will not let failure have the last word when Jesus wants to restore me. Father God, I pray, Lord, that through the faithfulness of the ministry of your Holy Spirit that you are at work within lives right now. And Lord, we know that Peter had to have that encounter with you and, and it was uncomfortable for him. But when you had completed the process, he had been restored and he had been renewed and he had been recalled and he re-engaged in obedience. This morning, somebody came and gave me a note stating that I don't feel like I have the boldness to speak a prophetic word, but I wrote down what the Spirit told me. And the note very clearly said, today is the day for the prodigal to come home come back to me and let me wrap my loving arms around you and welcome you back into my arms back into my call for I still love you somebody needed to know that Jesus still loves you and that your failure is not final would you please 
today, if you respond to the call, what I'm going to ask is that as they begin to sing, would you, would you step out of your seat and would you come and let somebody pray with you today? We are entering into a day and age in our world where it's no longer going to be easy for Christians just to hide in the closet. Easy believism, I believe, is quickly disappearing and it's going to take a church that is bold enough to say, Lord, I need a Savior. I need to be redone and to step out in faith because if you can't do that, how will you ever face the persecution that is coming to our world? I also want you to know that there's nobody in this room better than anybody else. Every one of us have come to Jesus the same way. We came as a sinner and we left saved by His grace. So don't think everybody's looking at me. Oh, no, no. We are all rejoicing with you because our God redefines failure and undoes that within our life. So as they begin to sing, won't you come? If you feel like you have to go today, then God, I pray your blessing upon your people as they go. But Lord, we are going to spend some time in your presence right now letting you work within us what you desire to accomplish. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.